This is Devin Kaufman, and you're listening to Reclamation Worship. My name is Jason Allen, and I'm the host of Reclamation Worship, the podcast devoted to reclaiming a biblical view of worship for the church. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Reclamation Worship. On this episode, I had the opportunity of talking with Devin Coughlin. Devin serves as a pastor at Grace Church of Clarksburg, Maryland. He also serves Sovereign Grace Music. Devin and I had the opportunity of talking about serving in small contexts, leading versus performing when it comes to worship through music, as well as a project that Sovereign Grace collaborated on with H.B. Charles Jr. and the church that he serves. And so we'll be looking forward to that project when it drops in July. Well, before we head over to the interview, I want to thank you for sharing Reclamation Worship with your friends. That is the best way to get the word out about this podcast. The second best way is to go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. If you've not already left a rating and a review, I would greatly appreciate you doing that. It helps get the word out, and it helps us get discovered by other folks. All right, well, let's head on over to the interview. Well, it's a pleasure having you on Reclamation Worship. So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you're doing right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, named Devin Coughlin. I grew up my dad's son. My dad is Bob Coughlin. And uh, first, he's been a pastor my entire life. Um, And first 12 years of my life, I was uh, a very compliant, obedient, good kid. And uh, when when I was 12, uh, we moved from the church my dad helped start in Charlotte, North Carolina. We moved up to the D.C. area to Gaithersburg, Maryland, and I hated it um, and made it miserable for my parents and uh, took out my dislike of that move on my parents and on the church and on God and just uh, devolved into rebellion. And um, and my life was filled with deception and disrespect and that went on for a few years there. And, uh, then around 16, 17, by God's grace, about 16, um, God's grace, uh, came into my life and helped me see the depravity of my sin, um, who I was outside of Christ and, uh, helped me to see what Jesus had done for me in in dying for my sins. Um, he's fully paid for my sins and, uh, gave me new life, new life in Christ. And, uh, so from that time on, um, the Lord just continued to work in my heart. And I was in, I grew up a pastor's kid. My brother always wanted to be a pastor, my older brother. And I wanted, I was happy to have nothing to do with ministry. Um, and, uh, went to business school, went to university of Maryland, got my degree, went into sales. Uh, and, and as the Lord was changing my heart and my, my desires, my affections, um, I had this growing desire to be a part of building the church. Uh, but didn't necessarily feel like I needed to be doing that vocationally. And so I saw the church as something that's built on the backs of men who faithfully love God and love their wives and their families and serve and give. Like, I'm okay being that guy. So was in sales, 
Lord was very kind and, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a good season. And as I was going through that season, um, the Lord made it clear through various circumstances and conversations and, and prayers that, uh, he made me to do something else. Mm. Um, and there was circumstances that only he could have worked out. And, uh, I was on a business trip and came, went, went excited about what I was doing and was still excited about what I was doing, but knew coming back knew that's not what God made me to do. Mm. And, uh, so as we began evaluating next steps, I ended up at, um, Southern seminary in 2013 and, uh, did my MDiv there over the next couple of years. And it was just a, a rich time learning and growing, um, and also serving that, that context, that community, seeking to build a worshiping community there. Southern had this vision of not just raising up musicians who happen to be Christians, but raising up pastors who happen to be musicians mm. and, uh, had, had the opportunity to help, help cultivate that, help build that, help model that there. So that was a great season. Finished that up. Had no idea what was next, um, but knew the Lord was Lord was leading us somewhere, mm. and ended up back in the D.C. area, and uh, served as a pastor at Church Grace Church in Clarksburg, Maryland. They uh, been around now just just over five years, and I serve as the other pastor, and so it was planted by a guy in his sixties, and uh, I wear a lot of different hats, and it's just a we have a, just a great time serving together, um, serving God's people together. I preach regularly, lead the singing most weeks. I'm planning, planning our order of service most actually every week and, uh, care for people. Um, that's just been, it's been a great time. That's a little bit about me. I'm married, been married for 13 years now, have four kids and, uh, we have a full life, but a, a fun life, a life filled with joy. That's great. That's great, man. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I uh, was recently at a conference in January where you were leading the the music, uh, the, the worship through music at the conference, the G3 conference. And I was just so encouraged by your heart for leading music and not only the songs that you chose, but but also the way that you led us in, in singing and in, in worshiping through song. And um, well, so I hope, hope we can talk about that a little more. Uh, in just a little bit, but uh, you you've been real busy. I know that you're working on a project that I'm excited about. And you tell will you tell us a little bit about what you've recently been doing with the church that H.B. Uh, Charles pastors? Yeah, yeah. The uh, do you want the short version or the long version? Let's hear the long one. Well, the the really long version would start with the role that my dad has leading Sovereign Grace Music, and so he's been doing that for for a long time, and uh, and seeking to to give to the church Christ exalting songs through the church. And, um, so Christ exalting songs in training. So I had that vision. Uh, now culturally I grew up in a very white world. Like I'll tell people, I, I grew up in a very white world singing a lot of, uh, songs set to white music written by white people. Right. Um, and that was, and, and that's, that's the context I grew up in and that was fine. Nothing wrong with that, but I do want to recognize that. And, uh, there was a desire that my dad had for, for a long time to see the truth that we were proclaiming the gospel. It's a, it's a truth that transcends culture. And so he had this desire to maybe we should do a gospel album. And so over the last 20 years or so, um, that's been a desire that he's had. And at a few times he's articulated to me and, um, I've kind of said like, you know, like we don't have the people to do that. Maybe it's not the right time. And, 
Uh, so that's kind of where it's been. So that was it. that was in the background in 2000 and maybe 13, 2014. I think it was probably 2013. I was at Southern and uh, leading at a conference there. And uh, HB Charles Jr. was one of the preachers there. Uh, and I was so encouraged by his his passionate, doctrinally driven preaching. Mm. Um, and one of the things that struck me in particular was it was his his theology flowed into doxology. Mm-hmm. And so as he's preaching, there was certainly the, the passion there. Uh, but it was also he quoted just again and again hymns. And so as he's preaching, just the truth that he's sung throughout his life just flows out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll see that with several different preachers. I mean, Charles Spurgeon used to do that. And at this conference, Alistair Begg was there as well. And he did the same thing. Very encouraging. Mm-hmm. And so like I if, if I'm ever preaching, that's I want to I want to be modeling that. Mm. And because uh, what we sing matters, yeah. and these these things stay with us. Uh, so seeing that kind of flow out of him preaching, really encouraging. Talked to him about it afterwards, and uh, he he was appreciative. And then he said, you know, like let's stay in touch because I think I think you could help me with something. And he's like, I don't know what, but like let's let's stay connected. <laughs> so I said, I mean, I don't, sure. <laughs> and uh, so over the next year, two years. We kept coming crossing each other's paths at different conferences and uh, continue our conversation. And as we continued our conversation, uh, just came to see and appreciate this like-mindedness that we had. Colossians 3.16 talks about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, mm. teaching and admonishing one another, singing psalms, sins, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And that was my heart and what I was doing as I'm leading in these different contexts and leading in the local church. And that was his heart. And in what he was doing, I think it was two, probably 2015 or maybe 2014. Uh, his church was in the process of merging with a predominantly white Baptist church. Okay. His church, predominantly African American, predominantly white church, and they were merging. And we were, ta- I was asking what lessons he was learning from that, and uh, he's talking about, you know, everybody wants to talk about this, like, what a great story this is because it's black and white. And he's like, oh, really, our our problem is not we don't have a, a race problem. We have a sin problem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what this is confronted is just the selfishness that we all have mm-hmm. and the idol of comfort that we all have. Yeah. And, uh, and the gospel speaks to those things. And so what I'm seeking to do, he's talking to him, what I'm seeking to do is just continue to remind people of the implications of the gospel, uh, the humility that we're called to in light of the gospel. And, uh, and so that, that has an implication on on the style and the and the culture that's made apparent in what we do when we gather to sing. So, so encouraged by that, we kept talking. And then uh, 2015, I believe it was, uh, him and he brought along Joe Pace, who's a, a veteran in the gospel music world. He was a he was the worship pastor at Shiloh, where HBH pastors, and uh, brought brought them to the Worship God Conference, which is a conference we do with Sovereign Grace Music. HB was preaching. And Joe was just there attending. And uh, so struck up a relationship with Joe and found that same like-mindedness, that same desire to see uh, just a theologically driven, Christ-saturated uh, song sung in the church. And mm-hmm. so that's in the black church or the white church, all churches. This is what we want to declare. This is what we're going to be declaring in eternity. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Yeah. This is what we want to be declaring now. And uh, so then uh, HB lead conference, cutting it straight. Uh, my dad went down there once I went down there once and, uh, we just kind of continued this conversation. I was down there talking to Joe, uh, in Jacksonville a couple of years back and 
similar to kind of conversation with HB, he's just saying, you know, like, I don't know what, but I think the Lord wants us to do something together. And I don't know what that'll look like. And I was, I was feeling the same way. So we just kind of kept that conversation going. Yeah. And then in, uh, I think fall of last year, uh, we, I don't, I, my years all run together now. I don't even know where I am. <laughs> Maybe fall of 2017. Uh, we had a conversation and, uh, February of last year, my dad and I went down there to talk with Joe and the, the musicians down there. What what would this look like to do something together? Mm. Um, and one of the things that we've sought to do with Sovereign Grace Music is we want to preserve and proclaim truth, not preserve and proclaim a culture. Mm. And so to be able to come alongside Shiloh and what they're doing and HB and his ministry and Joe and his ministry and what they're doing as they seek to to be ministers of the gospel in their in their context, their community. It's just a joy to come alongside and do that. Um, so that's the, that's the long, the long background. Uh, so then this past, uh, what month was it? February, this past February, we went down there and, uh, helped record a, a really a choir led project of, of original songs and sovereign grace songs. And, um, their musicians were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so they just did all the music and, uh, did songs like um, All I Have is Christ and He is Our God and um, Behold Our God in, in ways that I would have never imagined mm. and uh, married that to a, a, a passion and a, a context uh, that just gives rich expression to these truths. Yeah. And um, so we got to, we did a live recording February 28th uh, with them. And in the, in the process, we co-wrote some songs with them. Uh, they can Shiloh contributed a couple original songs and uh, just experience this wonderful partnership um, mm. that, that takes place in Christ uh, mm. and who we are in Christ. He breaks down any dividing walls that we might have. Yeah. Um, and we are all humbled at the foot of the cross. Uh, and so what a joy it is then to come together mm. and proclaim the glories of the name. Um, so we're hoping this project serves, uh, the African-American church, this would be HB and Joe's heart that it would serve the African-American church in, in encouraging churches of that tradition to sing rich truth, not be scared to sing a lot of truth. Uh, one experience that, that I've had in that context, they would have had in that context. It's, Hey, let's sing, uh, this hymn. So maybe crown him with many crowns. And the response is, well, which verse, which verse are we going to sing? And I mean, Joe would be like, which verse? I mean, like we're going to sing all of them. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so in, encouraging that, yeah. uh, and that, that can be a hard thing, hard thing. Uh, but it's a good thing. Uh, cause we've got so much, so much to declare. Mm. Uh, we've got a God who is so worthy to be praised. Mm. Um, so there's that. And then for, for folks that would be kind of more in my context in this, in this white tradition, there is this, uh, I think a, a recognition that needs to take place is that, that our, are where we're most comfortable is not the most important thing. Mm. Uh, and we need to recognize where we are, who we are and push out from that. And it's birthed out of a realization of what the gospel does in our lives. Yeah. Um, and so Philippians two talks about how we're called to consider one of those interests more important than our own, um, have this mind among ourselves, which is ours in Christ Jesus. That's what we're called to do. This is the, the claim the gospel makes on us. And that mm. applies to, musical expression. Yeah. Um, and it seems like we often can forget that reality. And so we're hoping this project serves serve people in 
in being stretched a little bit. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see what the Lord does. We're praying for praying for fruit, praying that uh, people would be encouraged by it. And it was just a joy to be able to be a part of. I I, uh, I stayed out of the way. That did all I could to stay out of the way. I was there to be along for the ride. And uh, <laughs> I, it was it couldn't have been more fun. And um, I'm I'm really excited about it. It's probably the thing that I'm most excited about that we've ever done. And wow. uh, it's it's been cool to see just the Lord bring it together. Yeah. So can y'all get that out yesterday? (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) The, uh, planning on having that out. Um, I think it's this July, end of July. We'll have that out. I, one of the rich things about it is it was not, and we were very intentional about this. This, it was never like, Hey, we want to do a gospel project. Who can we do this with? Um, and let's just do it. It was birthed out of relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's about relationship. So from the musicians, the choir to Joe to HB, to everybody involved on the Sovereign Grace music side, we're all like, when are we going to do this again? Yeah. Like, this is just, feels like the first step in in what we're seeking to do. And uh, wow. so we're excited to see what God does next. Hey, Amen. That's so cool, man. Especially in light of, you know, where we find ourselves today with, with uh, there being so much um, uh, hurt and, uh, and angst, you know, uh, th- this is um, just so exciting to see how the Lord's going to use this hopefully bring about some healing. So um, really yeah. excited. Yeah. I mentioned that I was so encouraged by your heart at G3. And, and I want to talk a little bit about something that, that I perceive as an issue uh, this day and age. Maybe it's always been a, an issue with regard to corporate singing. And, and that is maybe the, the struggle that some music leaders, song leaders wrestle with. And I guess what I'm thinking of is, is this idea of performance. And so could you talk a little bit about how you separate those two things. Like uh, I may, I imagine in, in all of your singing uh, career, there, there have been times where you have performed um, for people, but, but by and large, I would, I would guess when you get up uh, to lead corporately, that is not what you're doing. That's not your goal, not what you want to do. And so could you help us to understand how, how you separate those, those worlds? And, and, and maybe um, from that, we could uh, get some advice for those who are struggling with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, well, first, uh, as a man of my limited abilities, the opportunities to perform are few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like I like it that way. So that's that's the first thing. Uh, but second, you know, that's, that's a great question. It's something I, I think a lot about. And um, I would share the same concern. I think it's just whenever you have an individual or a group of individuals standing up in front of people, um, and, and putting forth some kind, any kind of expression, artistic expression in particular, uh, there's that temptation to, uh, want attention. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where that, that performance mentality comes from. Uh, it's, it's pretty hardwired in our culture and, uh, it's valued in our culture. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we live in a, a performance driven culture where, where everybody's artistic expression is, it's like it's, it's a reflection of them. And who are you to say that that's not good enough? Um, and so you just be you and do your thing and be all you can be. Yeah. And, uh, we'll all just enjoy that. Whatever. Right. That's the air that we breathe. Yeah. And, uh, so then you walk into a, you walk into a local church context and the temptation can be, well, this is like, this is what works. So let's put some people up front let's turn the lights down low. Uh, let's get the spotlights on those people. Mm. And, um, let's, let's 
ex- let's have this worship experience. And the church is called to be something distinct from mm. the world. Mm. Um, I was just reading this morning uh, uh, on this, this book on images of the church in the New Testament. And the first one he talks about, which is only only really mentioned once in the New Testament, it talks about uh, that we're the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. And that's given as not like saying, oh, you're so great. It's it's a warning because if you lose your saltiness, what good is salt? Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for nothing. It's not salty. Right. And so there should be this this distinction. So instead of the church seeking to be like the world, the church is meant to be distinct from the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, that applies to how we think about what we do when we gather to sing together as God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard somebody once once say that you're not the point you're meant to be a pointer mm. i think it was kevin DeYoung. i heard say that i'm sure other people have said similar things and uh that's something i think i, I carry with me whenever i definitely whenever i'm up on a platform um i'm not the point mm. and uh that is a it's a wonderfully freeing thought yeah because it takes all the pressure off mm. um it's, i'm not i'm not here so other people look at me Mm. I'm here so that other people will look to Christ. Amen. Um, I'm here so that other people look to the glory of God and all that he's done for us and uh, that they might find rest and comfort in that. And so I'm just, I'm just wanting to point people to those things. And so what can I do to help point people to those things? Um, now that has a lot of practical implications. Um, so for, for me, it's uh, when it comes to m- musical accompaniment, um, I'm not, up there playing so that people can see how skilled I am. I'm up there playing to support the singing. Mm. Uh, what they actually did, did at the, uh, the church that I pastor at, um, I haven't come up with anything great, but I've been using this as a placeholder. So we talk about like worship teams and, and that's generally what we talk about. Like you're, you're a part of the worship team. Um, and it's like, I think we can do better than that. And uh, so I started calling, calling, the volunteers that help week to week, the support, the singing team. Mm. And I want to reorient people to the fact that like what we're called to do is support the singing. Yeah. We want to support the singing of our church week that's after good. week. And so yeah. when I'm praying beforehand, that's what praying that the Lord would give us grace to help support the singing of the church. Mm. Um, as we, as we participate in that, because what we're doing uh, together corporately as a church is far more important and far more significant than what we're doing up front yeah. uh, in, in playing and singing. Um, so, so we, that's one, one practical implication. We, I, I think purposefully and specifically about the fact that everything that I'm doing is going to be through that lens of, I want to support the singing of the church. Mm. Uh, so the keys that we sing songs in, uh, I don't want to sing songs that are, that are too excessively high for ladies or excessively low for guys. I want to keep them in congregational keys, even though my voice might sound better at one or the other extreme, mm. um, or I'll be able to showcase more skill or whatever it is. Right. And you know, the extremes that's inconsequential because I'm here to help support everybody's singing mm. and not just support my singing. And so it's interesting when you talk about supporting the singing, it's not just a, uh, there's not just musical considerations. It's also, um, I want to do all I can to reinforce the corporate, dynamics of what we're doing mm. and uh because there's no there's you know, there's just not the category of, of performance we don't see that in scripture mm. um in that in that corporate context and so uh there who who i have involved is a reflection of my priorities and so if i'm 
always erring on, I want to have whatever it is, the best looking people, the most skilled people. Uh, I, those are the people that I always have up front that communicates. And that's what I value the most. Right. Um, and I think it also feeds that performance mindset. Um, mm. It's just like, well, if I'm going to be up there, I need to be at this level and I need to look this way. Yeah. And uh, that I think undermines who we are as the church. Mm. And so uh, I think about what, what it communicates is up front. And um, so we, I, I'm intentional about having, oftentimes I'll have just multiple generations up there. Mm. And so it's, uh, there's m- pretty much one week month I have, it's pretty much me and like this other, another family. And so I've got the, the dad's playing piano and the mom and the daughter singing and one of the sons is playing percussion. And, um, it, it communicates something to the church. That's cool. As far as we are a corporate body and, uh, what we do all together is far more important than what's going on up here. Mm. Um, also I've had, there was a, there was a, uh, dear lady in our church who, who passed away, uh, about two years ago now and two and a half years ago. And she played guitar and she, she played guitar. Okay. And, uh, I, as she was going, she, she died of cancer. And as she was just walking that long road to the end, um, she, I had her involved a couple Sundays mm-hmm. and it was not, she'd never played before on a Sunday morning. I mean, in, in the history of our church mm-hmm. and, uh, but had her up there and the, the effect that having her involved, and singing about the faithfulness of God mm. um, was is something that sticks with people in the church, and mm-hmm. something that's yeah. far more encouraging than if I made sure I had all the most skilled musicians up there. Yeah, because um, it's not about it's not about performance; it's right. about us participating together in as we as we come to God uh, yeah. in worship and uh, with with thanksgiving and praise. So those are some those are some thoughts on performance. Um, it's mm. I'm always uncomfortable in conference contexts, uh, to be, to be blunt. Um, it's not a context that I'm, I am particularly excited about, uh, because I think it can foster that, mm. that performance mindset. Yeah. Um, people come to a conference with the expectation that things are going to be well run mm-hmm. and skilled. And, uh, and then you're up there on a platform in front of however large the venue is you're in front of all those people. And, and my pride, wants to grab onto that and think that I'm somebody mm. and, uh, and that I maybe deserve this, um, or have done something to, yeah, have done something to earn this, this platform. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that flies in the face of who I am in Christ mm. and what the cross says about me. And, uh, and those things can end up, uh, infiltrating the church. So they, the priorities at a conference, I think conferences have their place and they can be helpful. And I don't want to, be completely anti-conference. I think sure. there's a place for them. God uses them again and yeah. again. Um, but they're not the local church right. and where God does his work in, in shaping and transforming people, uh, is in the local church. Mm. And, uh, that should be setting. I mean, that, that's what, what we should be looking to is kind of set the standard for what we do week to week to week, yeah. uh, and not these other venues. Um, same thing like with arrangements or even Sovereign Grace Music will run into this. We, we, when we release an album, we're not, uh, arranging, we, we do actually, we do this intentionally. We do try and arrange songs with the congregation in mind. Yeah. Um, but the number of musicians that are involved and the skill level of those musicians, not really translatable to 
most local congregations. Yeah. Uh, and so for us with that in mind, like, I don't expect people to do songs the way we record them. Yeah. Uh, nor do, nor do I want that. So we try to, uh, put out like, uh, different versions of the same song. Mm. Uh, and so we'll do these, we'll do acoustic versions of a lot of our songs where it's just, um, moderately skilled musicians playing playing songs as you would in a small church context yeah and uh so it's a guitar and a piano or guitar and percussion or just something something very simple um because we're in this to i think i said it earlier to preserve truth not preserve culture yeah. or preserve truth proclaim truth not not preserve and proclaim our skill um or anything like that our our musical preferences mm. so I've got lots of thoughts on performance. <laughs> That's good, man. That's so helpful. And another way that you uh, sort of, uh, I, I guess you'd say, combated that um, at G3 was um, integrating scripture. And so I, that that really yeah. um, stuck out to me. And so I, I so appreciate you doing that, man. You 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 ever had before us the, the scriptures. And so um, before and after songs. And so uh, that it was clear to me and I would imagine um, anybody sitting around me that um, we were not to be looking at you or your team that was with you. Um, the, the sole focus was to be on Christ and, uh, and, and the work of the father and, and spirit among us. So, um, so that was that translated. Yeah. Good. Amen. That's, that was my hope. And that's something I've, I've learned from my dad a lot. I've learned from uh, Joe Kreider, Southern seminary. And just the centrality of God's word and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's one thing to say, I want to sing word centered songs mm-hmm. and songs that are um, an accurate reflection of, of the truth that's contained in God's word. Yes. And amen. Uh, but we can even do better by, by just infusing our times together, our entire worship service uh, with God's word. Yeah. Um, I don't want the only time somebody's confronted with God's word to be when we're reading the passage that's being preached that week. Uh, and so for, for us, um, Sunday to Sunday, it's, we're beginning with God's word. We're ending with God's word. Yeah. Uh, we're reading scripture throughout our service. Uh, and as, as God's people, what we do when we get together is we, we read God's word. We pray to God through God's word mm. and we sing God's word. Mm. Uh, and then, and, and we see God's word as we participate in baptism, the Lord's supper. I mean, like, and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. That's pretty pretty simple stuff. We're very ordinary people gathering to do uh, really ordinary things that that God uses in extraordinary ways. Amen. And that's the local church, yeah. and uh, to be able to get to participate in that week to week, uh, just such so awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and nobody, especially at a, I mean, Sunday to Sunday or at a conference, nobody wants to hear me talk. <laughs> it's like I can't improve upon what God has already said. So let me get that out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and thinking of these conferences that, that, uh, we've been talking about. So this particular one, I think there was anywhere from 4,500 to 5,000 people. So big room, but for most people, they're going to be in, in your position, they're going to be ministering to much smaller groups of people. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on leading in the context of a, a small congregation. Uh, so the church that I lead at week to week is, uh, uh, we have about 130 people or so on Sunday mornings. We meet in a middle school, uh, cafeteria and, um, we're grateful that it has a lot of light. doesn't sound that great, but that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, we're not there because it sounds great or it doesn't sound great. Uh, we're there to worship the living God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really over the past five years or four years that I've been there, uh, just a 
distinct joy to worship week to week with a small congregation. Mm. Uh, and, and so one of the things that I, there are many things that I love about small congregation. One of them is that, uh, you know, the people that are there and you know, all of them, um, when we're, when we're singing about, um, uh, Christ, the sure and steady anchor in the fear of the storm. And I know what's going on in people's lives, mm. uh, as we're singing, because this is, again, this is corporate. This is not just me and God. This is us and God. Yeah. Um, and I see, let's say Mike, Mike, who's been suffering from Parkinson's for several years and mm. is in his seventies and, and it faces a lot of challenges. Mm. When I see him saying that Christ is his sure and steady anchor, uh, what that does to me is far mm. more significant than the experience that I might have singing with 5,000 people. Mm. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's one of the, one of the joys. I think we, we lose sight of stuff like, uh, first Corinthians, when we, when we're in a small congregation, we can lose sight of the way God works. Mm. And so God works by using weak and, and fallible people. What, what's foolish in the eyes of the world yeah. to do again, extraordinary things to do incredible things. Mm. Um, so first Corinthians one, uh, one really to the end of the chapter, one twenty six to 31 is talking about our boast is in the Lord alone. Like mm. who, who are we? Not many of us were rich. Not many of us were, attractive in the world's eyes. Mm. Uh, but because of who we are in Christ, we have this, this profound boast and this life altering message. So we have in, in small congregations with limited resources, we have all the resources we need. Mm. Um, I heard one, one preacher one time he talked about, this is so helpful for me. He talked about, he's, he was a British guy and he talked about just the history of his, the town that he lives in. And, uh, so, I mean, going, this is England. And so going back, um, hundreds and hundreds of years. This is not like going back to Williamsburg. This is going back hundreds and hundreds of years and talking about all that's taken place there. Uh, and so he shared this long story about all that's taken place in this little town. And, uh, and, and then he said, but the most, the most remarkable thing that's ever happened in this little town will take place this Sunday. Mm. And 40 of us gather together and Jesus is there. Amen. And we worship the living God. Yeah. Um, and so that's what, I mean, in Hebrews two, we see that, that Jesus is in our midst. He mm. is singing in the midst of the congregation. Mm. And so there's this meeting of heaven and earth that takes place Sunday after Sunday as we gather. Wow. And like, that's what we get to do in these, in these foolish looking contexts in the eyes of the world. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I mean, when I think about serving God in a small congregation, I want to spend a lot more time thinking about all that I do have rather than gravitating towards what I don't have. Amen. Um, and when I realize what I do have, all that I don't have, I kind of, it puts it in perspective. It's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. Um, like Jesus is still there in our midst. Even if I don't have all the lights mm. or even if I don't have all the sound equipment, mm. or even if I don't have uh, a fixed seating auditorium, or even if I don't have I mean, whatever it is, whatever's right. on that list for you, the skilled volunteers, we have all we need and more. Um, so we want to really have clarity on like what our, what our resources are and mm. press into those. Mm. Um, and I haven't even started talking about the word of God. I mean, we were just talking about that a little bit ago, yeah. but just the power that God does his work through his word. Mm. And that's what we have every week. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, I mean, you think about that, that resources that we have, that resource that we have in, in our, in our small congregations. Um, it's like, all right, so I want God's word to be central. I mean, that's what, again, one of the reasons why 
I'll read a lot of scripture and really seek to go from point to point via scripture in our mm-hmm. gatherings. Because that's how God wants to do his work. That's how God primarily reveals himself to us. And uh, so let's get that there. Um, and so this is not, these again, these are not, these are not uh, uh, resource restricted um, things. You don't have enough money to have God's word central. No, that's crazy. Right. So. Exactly. That's such a great point. Yeah, man. And, uh, and I think when we understand that the songs that we're singing are, are complementary to uh, the words of, of, scripture that we're reading and understand how those things fit together. Um, yep. then, uh, then I think that brings to life for, for the congregation, the words that, that, uh, that they're singing, the confessions that, yep. that, uh, that they're singing. Um, so yeah, I, I was talking to a, I was talking to a guy that, uh, that I'm bringing along as he's, as he's helping lead our congregation. And it's like, as the, as the person leading the singing, leading and supporting the singing of our church, you're not uh, like a bus driver. Uh, we're not all um, entirely dependent on you to get from this point to this point. You're really just like a train conductor. Mm. And in that you want to get that train going. And when we come to junctures, you want to make sure we get on, we go on the right track. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise I'm like, you just sit back, yeah. sit back, fat and happy. <laughs> and just join us as we go on this ride together. Mm. And uh, I think often we slip into that. Um, no, they're, they're dependent on me. And so we put, again, it's like this, it can be a performance mindset or it can just be just this pressure we put on ourselves. Yeah. Where it's like, I, no, it's, it's really dependent on me. I've got to do this. I've got to be here in this way, in this way, in this way. Um, and you do have to provide direction. So we make it through those junctures. But most of the time, like we just want to help people sing. And once yeah. they're singing, they'll sing. And we want to, to, I think another helpful thing about that analogy is that, uh, we want to make it clear how we're getting from point to point. So in our scripture readings and in our confessions and in the songs that we sing, it's like what I want to do as I'm leading is just make it clear how we get from here to here. And I don't need to say any more than that. It could just be one sentence that I say to get from here to here or one verse that I read to get from here to here. Mm. Uh, But that's all I want to do. Mm. Um, I don't need to do any more than that. I don't need to say everybody get on my bus and follow me as I take this five minute exhortation to disclose everything that I've read this week right. or whatever it is. Um, I just want to help people get from here to here, make sure this thought where we ended makes sense with this thought where we're going. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's my role. That's great. That's so good. You're working on a, a PhD. You mind uh, talking with us about that and uh, how that relates to what you're doing in, in the local church? No, man. <laughs> uh, I am working on a PhD and, and that's, that's where the, uh, the emphasis should, emphasis should go working on it. Um, <laughs> it is the talking to my 10 year old son the other day saying, I think this is the hardest thing that I have ever done. Mm. And, uh, but it's been rich and it's been good. Uh, so I'm, I'm Lord's led me on this long and winding, long and winding road, uh, to this point, And I'm writing on understanding corporate worship in light of union with Christ. Mm. And, uh, what brought me there uh, was was just being concerned about how human centered we can be and how we mm. think about what we do. So mm. corporate worship it comes about what we do, mm. and it's um, even even in in I think what are good conversations about something like revelation and response. It's a good conversation. 
God speaks, we respond. This is the, the dialogue of worship, some people will say. Mm. I think that, that's a good conversation, moves things in the right direction. But there's still this emphasis on our response. It's like God does his thing, and then we do our thing. Mm. And that's, that's where our thinking can kind of end. Mm. And uh, so it's like, so you're going through a worship service on a Sunday, and you're kind of like, okay, is this my part now? Oh, this is our part. All right, this is what we do. Mm. And um, it's I've been spending time recently in Psalm 50. And, uh, and I mean, God, God is saying like, I own everything. Like, I don't need anything from you. If I was hungry, why would I come and ever ask you for anything? I don't need anything from you because all that there is, is mine. Mm. And, uh, we need to worship in light of that. Yeah. And so then, so then it's like, all right, so, all right, God doesn't need us at all. Then why, why worship? Mm. And we worship because we are in Christ mm. and, uh, because Christ is in our midst and because Christ has reconciled us to God. And so when you think about uh, the identity of the church, who the church is, the church can't be conceived apart from Christ. Mm. And so Christ is the vine from which the branches grow. Mm. And Christ is the bridegroom whom the church is being prepared for. Mm -hmm. uh, Christ is the cornerstone on which the building sits and is joined together and grows into a holy temple, Ephesians 2. Mm. Um, Christ is the head of the body in which all things hold together. So it's like we can't conceive of these things outside of Christ. And so all that to say, we have to understand what we do corporately in, in light of our union with Christ. Mm. This, is, this is key to our identity. Mm. Uh, there's been a lot, of people, a lot of people talk about the importance of narrative and story and how stories form us. Mm. And I really, I like, I like those conversations. They resonate with me and I think they're true. Um, uh, there was a one one guy one time said like we can't understand who we are and what we're to do if we don't first answer what stories we're a part of. Mm. And as a Christian, where our story is found, what it's grounded upon is who we are in Christ. It's His life, His death, and resurrection that becomes our identity. Amen. We have died, and our life is in Him. Mm. And uh, and so that should be fundamental to how we think about how we come to God corporately and worship. Mm. So where I'm going with it all is um, just kind of the implications. So what, what does this do? Well, so our, our corporate worship becomes first about receiving from God. Uh, and so it's God gives to us in Christ all that we need. Mm -hmm. um, God gives to us all that we are. So when we come, our primary disposition is receiving from God's activity. When we gather, God wants to do something for us. It's the one guy phrases it, the Lord's service. Like that's what's happening week to week. God is speaking to us through his word. God is comforting us. God is challenging us. Um, God is doing all these things. Mm. So it's primarily about God's activity. So we receive from him. Uh, second, we, we participate. We gather to participate with him. So it's not we're gathered to just do our thing. We're participating in Christ through the spirit. Uh, and so in our singing, in our prayers, he is in our midst and he is interceding for us. Mm. It's about participation. And then third, it's about because we're united to Christ, when we gather together, there's this anticipation, this eschatological implication of what we're doing as we anticipate life with him forevermore. Mm. And uh, that all happens. That all is realized because of who we are in Christ mm. and you with Christ. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm working on. It's rich. It is uh, intimidating yeah. and uh, a, a massive mountain to climb. I mean, I'm sitting in my study and just stacks of books kind of everywhere. Right. And, uh, 
my wife was in here the other day trying to put a couple books on the bookshelf. She said, I couldn't even find any room. I said, yeah, I can't either. So <laughs> what, uh, what, what's your target, uh, date for completion on that? Uh, Lord willing, I'll be graduating into December. Okay. And I'm, I'm going on the record with you right now. So you are, I'll be graduating December of 2019. We're going uh, so to I'm in the middle it. of writing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Please do. My wife would appreciate it. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm in the middle of writing. I'm hoping to have kind of my first draft done, uh, by the early summer and then, uh, work on that through the summer and defend it this fall. Great. So I'm working with, uh, with Greg Allison. He's my supervisor. And, uh, it's been, it's been a, it's been a rich time. It's, I don't think I've ever done anything. Um, I didn't go into, uh, I didn't start this journey thinking I was going to do a PhD for sure. Mm. And, uh, it's been one of the most formative things that I've ever done. Um, and just helping shape how I think. And, uh, it's been surprisingly relevant, not just my subject matter, but just even the discipline that's required mm. it's been surprisingly relevant to, uh, to, to life and ministry. Uh, mm. so I've, I've really enjoyed it. That's Not fantastic. for everyone, but I've enjoyed it. Right. <laughs> Good deal. Well, man, thank you so much for uh, for taking this time to uh, talk with us. And uh, it's been very informative, very helpful for me. And uh, again, I was so encouraged by you and um, and how you, you led us in song. And, and we're looking forward to, uh, to this new album coming out. Um, oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Is there another uh, Prayers of the Saints in the works? We are doing another live album. We're going to record it in July. Um, it's called the glorious Christ. Okay. And, uh, we're, we're going to record it right before we have our worship God conference. And the theme of that is the glorious Christ. Uh, and it's, it's the tagline my dad came up with, which I love is music is great, but Jesus is greater. Amen. And, uh, that's really the, the heartbeat of that, that album. So I'm excited about that. So that'll be July. Come out probably sometime in the fall. Fantastic. Good deal. All right, man. Hey, God bless. Hey, thanks Jason. I want to thank Devin once again for coming on Reclamation Worship. You can visit reclamationworship.com and look at Devin's episode to see more about him in the show notes. I will be linking to some of his projects there as well, and you can take a look uh, in anticipation for that project that will be dropping in July with H.B. Charles Jr. and the church that he serves. If you would like to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Reclamation HQ. We are on Instagram at Reclamation Worship, and we are on Facebook at Reclamation Worship. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.